Hello, you're listening to episode 9 of 8-Minute Movies, Knives 8, a podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in 8-Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains pretty major spoilers for Knives Out, so you should go and watch it first before listening, and start with episode 1 of this season. Yeah. How are you doing, Peter? I am doing alright, thank you. Um, Now, as you will know... As I will know. As you will know. Uh, it It is... Do the listeners know? Uh, they might. Oh, gosh. It's the 40th anniversary of The Thing. Gasp, yeah. I, 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 I was going to mention that. Mm. like, But I, I was going to mention it in a way that didn't make it seem like we record these podcasts two weeks in advance. Mm. <laughs> Nevertheless, it is that. <laughs> uh, it, it was that. <laughs> Uh, it was that at some unspecified point in the past. The 25th and, of June. <laughs> and as such, I have, uh, I've brought you a little treat. Oh, oh God. Uh, why am I in a state of light panic? It's the cinematic event of the century. Um. Uh, now, as you know... Uh, and as you entirely approve of, I've been messing around a lot with artificial intelligence lately. Oh God, I can't even begin to to express how how annoying this has become. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I've gained access to a uh, GPT three AI. That yes. is uh, capable of generating text based on whatever prompt you might happen to give it. And so I thought that what might be appropriate for this podcast is if I gave it the prompt, uh, write a multi-paragraph synopsis for a movie crossover between John Carpenter's The Thing and Knives Out. The word appropriate was doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence, mm. Peter. Uh, so I, I've generated some for you. Aren't you excited? Peter, we're not even two minutes in. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've generated some for you, so, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about them. Well, I get the sense that no matter what I say, I can't stop you. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read these out. Um, <laughs> they, they come in four flavors, by the way. I, I generated a bunch of these and, uh, and then selected some of my favorites uh, fr- from them. Uh, that's why I was a little bit late for the podcast, by the way. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so the, the four main flavors are the uh, the two different plots of the films are happening separately and then at some point collide in some <laughs> unspecified way. Uh, and then the second flavor is that it's basically the thing, but Benoit Blanc is investigating. Um and then the third flavor is it's basically knives out, but it turns out the thing did it. Um, and then the fourth flavor is it just very weird. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to give you a, a few of my favorites here, becoming increasingly unhinged as it goes. <laughs> so we start fairly straightforward. So the first synopsis, um, the movie starts with a bang as a group of investigators, led by renowned detect- detective Benoit Blanc, Daniel Craig, descend upon an isolated research facility in the Antarctic. They're looking for answers in the wake of a brutal murder, and they're not leaving until they get them. 
but the longer they stay, the more they realize that something else is going on at the facility. There's an alien presence lurking in the shadows, and it's not just interested in killing humans, it wants to take over their bodies and use them for its own purposes. As the investigators try to stay one step ahead of the thing, they find themselves pitted against not only an inhuman enemy, but also the elements. With time running out, they must find a way to destroy the thing before it destroys them all. The Thing is a classic horror movie from director John Carpenter, and Knives Out is a modern whodunit from Ryan Johnson. Both movies are tense, suspenseful, and full of twists and turns. Now, imagine if they were combined into one movie. That's what you can expect from this crossover. I like this introductory one because it doesn't go into a whole lot of detail, but it's uh, but it ends in a really kind of half-assed way with, well, just imagine those two things combined into one movie. It's and that basically. Not not gonna lie, it had me hooked. I'd watch it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So moving into the slightly more interesting. Uh, A group of scientists in the Antarctic are investigating a mysterious object that has been unearthed. They quickly realise that it is an alien ship and that they are not alone. The ship contains a creature that is able to take on the form of any living thing. It begins to kill the scientists one by one, and soon the only people left are a group of researchers and the ship's captain. They realise that the only way to stop the creature is to destroy the ship. However, the captain is killed and the ship is destroyed before they can do so. The creature is now loose in the world, and it is up to the researchers to stop it. They enlist the help of world-renowned detective Benoit Blanc to help them solve the murders. Blanc is able to deduce that the creature is targeting a specific group of people. The group of people are those who were responsible for the death of a young boy. The creature is seeking revenge for the boy's death. The group is able to track down the creature and destroy it. However, they are left with more questions than answers. Me yeah, too. I, yeah, I, I, I was going to say I have. I have. Who? Like, it's not free, Willy. <laughs> <laughs> who, is, who is this boy that has a magical friendship with the thing? Oh, but it, it gets. And is it me? <laughs> <laughs> it might be you. <laughs> it might be me. But it gets weirder. Oh, fuck. Okay, synopsis three. (laughs) The movie opens with a shot of an empty house in the middle of the night. We then see a man, Knife, played by Daniel Craig. Knife? Yeah, Knife. (laughs) Walking through the house with a flashlight. He goes into the kitchen and finds a dead body. He then hears a noise and turns around to see the thing played by Kurt Russell, (laughs) standing in the doorway. (laughs) Knife tries to run, but the thing catches him and kills him. The next scene shows the police arriving at the house. They find Knife's body and the dead body of the man he was with. The police also find a knife on the ground. They hear a noise. But not the knife. (laughs) No, not knife. They find knife and a knife on the ground, to be clear. (laughs) They then hear a noise and turn around to see the thing standing in the doorway. The thing attacks the police and kills them all. 
The final scene shows the thing walking away from the house. As it walks, we see that it is covered in blood. So there you go. That's your thing uh, and uh, Knives Out cross over there. (laughs) Daniel Craig playing a character called Knife. (laughs) Oh, fuck me. And I have have one more crossover for you. (laughs) And and this, this is the most deranged of them all. Uh, in a way, um, okay, uh, and it's also the the shortest one of the lot as well. So, a group of scientists in Antarctica are investigating a mysterious alien ship that has been buried in the ice for centuries. When they thaw out the ship, they accidentally release a deadly creature that starts killing them one by one. The only thing that can stop the creature is the knife wielded by the world's greatest detective, Hercule Poirot. <laughs> <laughs> weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, a group of wealthy people are gathered at a remote mansion for a dinner party. When one of the guests is murdered, everyone becomes a suspect. Poirot must use his deductive powers to figure out who the killer is before they strike again. And his special knife! Yep. <laughs> Oh boy. Um okay, I, I I'm not I'm not going to lie. I would watch all those movies. <laughs> even even the short film Knife versus Thing. Yes. Uh I tried to get it to um generate a list of uh titles for these films as well, but they weren't particularly imaginative. It's sometimes really good at coming up with puns. Um <laughs> Uh, for some reason, I was uh, trying to generate a list of um, uh, uh, Star Wars synopses um, yeah. when where there were just lots of red pandas in um, <laughs> in Star Wars uh, for 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 no apparent reason, uh, and um, it managed to came up. It managed to come up with the wordplay that. Um, Darth Vader was intent on killing all the panda ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it wasn't very good at um, uh, coming up with titles for this, uh, no matter how hard I tried. So I decided that all of these films are called Things Out. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I don't know how you get such good results with that thing, because I've tried it a few times, and I've just got absolute gibberish back out every single time. I don't know like uh it it doesn't come <clears> up <throat> with brilliant stuff every time but like most of the ones I generated were at least passable <laughs> and uh I I I would say that I generated probably about 15 or so of these before picking my top 4 Oh well um uh, those were some concepts. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about two things, Peter. I'm excited about two things. Um, I feel like I should ding you twice there, but it's it's too early. But also, one of them is the thing. Hmm. Okay, I'll allow that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so so the first is, of course, that if you are listening to this podcast on the day we're recording it, which is impossible, mm. <laughs> it is the 40th anniversary of The Thing. So out of respect, you should go and watch your copy of The Thing 
and and enjoy it. Enjoy its thinginess. You'll love it. Um, I actually didn't realize that the thing and my birthdays, my as in our fortieth birthdays, were uh, were so close together. Uh, yes, the thing is slightly older than you. Yeah, very slightly. Very slightly older than you. Mm. Um, I forgot what the second thing was now. <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember. I remember. We're we're all very excited here at Knives Eight headquarters, aren't we, Peter? Uh, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Because because they've announced the name of the new Knives Out sequel. They have. Well, they yeah. have. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, um, I was going to try and keep Peter in the dark about it, but there was no way he wasn't going to notice, like, yeah. read the news or whatever until he saw it. So, um, we we ran a little guessing game off podcast where I was like, okay, the um, the name of the of the sequel is um, two words, and it's a material and a vegetable. <laughs> Yes. And and I have here a list of Peter's guesses um which were um iron sprout silver carrot plastic turnip paper tomato stone potato and silk pepper. <laughs> <laughs> and then after a moment's hesitation he was like is it Glass Onion? Because that's a Beatles song. And I was like, yes, it is Glass Onion. Yes, I uh, realized that they might have gone with another um, song title. So as soon as I thought of an onion, I realized that it had to be Glass Onion. It did, and it do, and it has. And and of course, of course, that's that's literally all we know about it at the moment. So um, yes. it's, it's called Glass Onion. Glass Onion... Uh, Contains the lyrics, and here's another clue for you all: the walrus was Paul. So, if let's see whether that becomes a clue to the murders or whatever in the in the film. I am certain it will not. Mm. But okay. Um. Uh, just in case you're wondering, at home listeners, um. I, I I sound quite husky today because I was at at, at a, a festival music gig concert last night. You know, like from the olden days. How was that for you? Oh, it was real good, real good. Uh, I, I haven't been in a mosh pit in a long time, and mm. uh, I'm slightly bruised and husky today. <laughs> but it was well understandable. Worth it. We went to see uh, Fallout Boy, Green Day, and. Uh, Weezer, <laughs> just like it was the mid two thousands all over again. I'm somewhat familiar with two of those bands. Yeah, um, I was gonna say not not your sort of music at all. <laughs> I don't mind uh, Weezer. I don't mind Green Day very much. I don't spend a lot of time listening to uh, either band, mm. but uh, but I, yeah. I I I have songs by them that I enjoy. I don't know if it if it doesn't feature a Victrola in three eighteenths time, you're uh, you're not interested. That's that's patently untrue. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh dear. So 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 you've already mentioned bells, Peter. Should we should we explain bells? Um I, I can't remember what detail we explain the game in now. Uh mild. <laughs> Alright, so we're both l- looking out for uh each other saying the words either thing or out. Uh in uh, but it's okay if we say them and we're referring to specific things like the the monster the thing in the film and and the the thing the film and all of that stuff and similar kinds of rules for the words out uh, if we notice um i'm just going to say ding because you said specific things yeah ding. okay that ding. that's a perfect example if we <laughs> if we notice in that way um then uh we uh, ring a bell, which we definitely both remembered to bring, didn't we? Um, hmm. Could you ding yours again? Yeah, that, that was my one. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, I'll yeah. fix that. I'll fix that in post. Um, I, I I have recently got back from a long trip and cannot find the bell anywhere, so I might have to buy another one. And uh, yes, so the, the the person with the most dings at the end of the series is rounded up. Don't ask me how you round up a single person, but they are. Um, and then they are punished in the appropriate manner. When when you said rounded up, I immediately thought like in the mathematical sense, like oh uh, yeah, like we'd yeah, be turned into two people. Yeah, they're made into uh, uh you know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, that was that was great. That was that was an excellent joke, listeners. Good, good uh, if you banter. if you if you enjoyed those sick bands, why not yeah. why not write us an email? Like, this is what people come to the podcast for: <laughs> our incisive wit. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, well. In in that case, why don't we not talk about the thing? The section of the podcast where we don't talk about the thing. <laughs> What uh, I can't, I just can't move on from the the moment where I realised mid sentence that I couldn't come up with uh, <laughs> a, a decent like riff on the idea of a person being rounded up <laughs> in a mathematical sense. <laughs> well, I mean, it wouldn't work, would it? Because like you're only ever going to be one person if you round yeah. one. It's one, you know. I suppose. I suppose you could do it to some sort of arbitrary number of... Why are we talking about this? <laughs> Maybe I meant when I rounded up it to, to the nearest uh, centimetre of height. <laughs> On to the rack you go! Uh, yeah. So, this section of the podcast, let's not talk about the thing. Uh, I, I give you a choice now, Peter, and then I, I disregard whatever you've chosen. Yeah. What would you like to hear about? Um... I'd like to hear an updated one for um, Jamie Lee Curtis because we've now seen another film that that she's in. Oh yes, we should mention that. Let Let's mention that film in episode ten. Yeah, we'll we'll mention that next time. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's that's some proper weight bait. That's the one. <laughs> increasingly uncomfortable saying that phrase um no we're going to talk about michael shannon as walt thromby okay 
Michael Corbett Shannon, born August 7th, 1974, is an American actor, producer, musician, and theater director. He has been nominated twice for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his roles in the Sam Mendes period drama Revolutionary Road, 2008, and the Tom Ford psychological thriller Nocturnal Animals, 2016. He earned Screen Actors Guild Award and Golden Globe Award nominations for his role in 99 Homes from 2014, and a Tony Award nomination for Best Featured Actor in a Play for the Broadway revival of Eugene O'Neill's Long Day's Journey Into Night in 2016. Peter, Michael Shannon made his film debut in 1993 in Groundhog Day. Huh. Do you remember who he is? I'm trying to think now. Uh, I don't think he had the beard. Yeah. It's a small role. Uh, how old would he have been then? Younger? Well, well, you know, it's 1974. Subtract 1993 carry the two is okay I I can't quite picture the face so I might be way off here is he playing one of a couple that is getting married you wow that's it that's exactly it well done he's the newlywed Mm. well done I was (laughs) not expecting you to get that at all uh, Groundhog Day is one of the few films, listeners, that Peter has seen. Um, yeah, more um, more than once. <laughs> I, I have seen that film. Yeah, uh, and it's just, ironic, really. I don't even think he looks that much l- <laughs> like himself, which is a weird thing to say <laughs> in, in that film. But there's just something about it that made me go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, he received widespread attention for his performance in Eight Mile from 2002. He's known for his on-screen versatility, performing both comedies and dramas such as Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys 2, Bug, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, The Iceman, The Night Before, The Shape of Water, and, of course, Knives Out. He played Superman's Kryptonian adversary, General Zod, in Man of Steel 2013, and Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. I've not seen any of those because um, I'm so fed up with DC movies. (laughs) Um, Shannon is a frequent collaborator of Jeff Nichols, appearing in all of his films, Shotgun Stories, Take Shelter, Mud, Midnight Special, and Lovin'. He is also known for his role as Nelson Van Alden in the HBO period drama series Boardwalk Empire, for which he was nominated for three Screen Actors Guild Awards. In 2021, he had a main role in the Hulu drama miniseries Nine Perfect Strangers. Uh, Peter, in the director's commentary, Ryan Johnson repeatedly says that Michael Shannon was the funniest person on set, constantly improvising the best one-liners. Yes, that that is believable. Um. So, we don't have any questions from you from the previous episode, so I guess it's time for us to start watching the show. All right. All right. Great. Great. There, was a, there were, like, predictions. We talk well, about those usually, don't we? Yeah, 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 we do that now. Okay, let's yeah. do that. It's, it, it's in the section in my notes called Review Peter's Answers from Previous Episode. Which, Nobody uh, will notice that it's been a little while since we recorded one of us. 
we both got ill, but we're better now. <laughs> um, if you are seeing this for the first time, who do you think is the murderer and how done it? And you said the same. You still think Marta did it because, you know, Marta did it. We literally yeah. saw her do it. What happens next? Uh, you said Ransom says, yep. with an excellent response from Walt Ransom will tell everyone to eat shit Walt says he will not eat one iota of shit (laughs) then the will reading will occur everything is left to Marta and she flees the house with Ransom Oh, so you're probably feeling pretty good about that that whole whole synopsis probably feeling pretty cock of the walk I I am, I I feel like I'm Cock uh, of not only the walk but everything else. <laughs> that is true. I, in fact, I'm going to use that as consent to always refer to you as the cock of everything else. <laughs> the cock of everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's it's time for the show. We are going to be watching one hour and four minutes to one hour and twelve minutes of Knives Out. Ransom says. Yep, he has been cut out of the will. What a cliffhanger, Peter. <laughs> yeah, man. And with a nice kind of yes. response. Real, real plosive P. It's a great sound. Yeah. And uh, yeah, also that response from Michael Shannon with, with the big old kind of sound. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, that was um, improvised as well. That when he, he makes the noise and throws his hands up in the air like uh, like he's just scored a goal <laughs> i i heard that it's not only improvised but though the, the but uh chris evans uh line and his reaction were filmed entirely separately <laughs> uh yeah we we know that you've heard that because you mentioned it in the last episode that we recorded very recently yeah yeah yeah, yeah the one that we recorded oh last week mm. <laughs> hashtag nervous laughter <laughs> uh, Ryan Johnson says that introducing Ransom this late into the movie was purposeful because he's charismatic and he takes a big role in the film so he could be held back to give the movie some shape towards the end a new chaotic element added for everyone to react to mm-hmm. Walt seems vindicated while Richard and Linda say that this might be the best thing to ever happen to him <laughs> I like right. how smug they all are at this yeah, point. They, they, they're all looking down. He's not getting a penny from any of them, um, is he? <laughs> yes. um, Ryan discusses how most people's references for a film like this would be Clue or Murder by Death. I think we've both we've spoken, we've spoken about both of those at this point, haven't we? We have. We have spoken. Yes. Um, which are both great, but are parodies, and scenes like this have to have the emotional impact they do just so people are a hundred percent sure this isn't a parody. It's a modern whodunit. Right. So that's why, that's why this isn't funny. It's serious. Funny. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, 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 it's walking a tightrope between yeah. two things. Definitely. Yeah. And doing it very well. I think. Joni tries to encourage him and ransom tells every member of the family to eat shit. Case in point, really. I guess. <laughs> 
Originally, every eat shit in the scene was a fuck you, but it would have destroyed their PG-13 rating. <laughs> yeah, fair. Person who suggested eat shit. <laughs> eat shit's good. You don't you don't hear yeah. it enough, enough, do you? Eat shit is funnier, actually. Yeah. It's, it's very good. The family disintegrates into shouting at each other while Blanc rolls his eyes and walks outside. With, uh, again, great great bit by Michael Shannon, which I obviously remembered because I said <laughs> it in my prediction that I'm not eating one iota of shit. Yeah. Which I think I didn't even notice that he said that the first <laughs> few times I saw the film until someone pointed it out. And now I listen for it every time because it's just very good. <laughs> Yeah, my my note here, we've discussed it in depth, is uh, Ryan Johnson said that Michael Shannon was by far the funniest person on set and mm-hmm. came up with this line on his own, I am not eating one iota of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's believable, but also hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like some, it, 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 it's a really just great distillation of that ca- character, <laughs> of him just trying to make himself seem big and and threatening but actually just seem like, seeming like a real loser <laughs> <clears throat> outside blank idly plays with harlan's baseball marta joins him and fran storms past furiously hmm. um when he's talking here it he, he says that uh the uh th- this is the exception that proves the rule ab- about uh will readings being yeah. being boring and i think that this is just um th- this is i i think what uh what the kids call a head cannon oh. ab- about this line uh i i think that uh blanc is old fashioned and pedantic enough that here he means uh, the exception that proves the rule in its original intended way of being the e- exception that tests the rule and challenges it rather than the exception that means the rule is true, which is how people <laughs> tend to use it nowadays. But that that's, that wasn't what the phrase originally meant. Yeah, that's, that's another of those weird phrases that mm. um, has come to mean the opposite of what it originally meant. Like, yeah. um, the one I always think of is uh, begs the question because yeah. originally that meant literally the opposite of, <laughs> of what it does now. Yeah, like in, in philosophy, it still means the same thing as it's a kind of original meaning where begging the question it basically means making a, a circular argument uh, where the the thing that you the, the thing that you're arguing kind of assumes the conclusion. Mm. Uh, so that's what question begging is, but but people use it to mean that, like the question, uh, something suggests that a question should be asked, which right. is a more kind of literal read of that phrase, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I guess ultimately it just means that um, language changes over time, prescriptivists, and um, if you think that supermarkets writing um 
13 items or less when they mean 13 items or fewer matters then just go outside touch some grass you know <laughs> there's a, there's other stuff going on in the world that's way more important than that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i am very much a descriptivist about <laughs> language um uh, and uh, i don't care whether people mean the exception that proves the rule in its original way or its opposite way but i think that blank would have meant it in its original way here that's my head cannon he is a um he is a fussy little bitch (laughs) (laughs) um blank muses on ransom saying i'm warning you as one of the dogs returns with a section of broken trellis. <laughs> My note here says, this dog is a better detective than blank, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. And I did forget that it comes back, but of course it does. It, it makes sense for it to come back. <laughs> they walk around the outside of the house and he spots the broken piece of trellis and then asks, where's that window come out? Mm. I'm still not getting why you would have a fake window. I like a window that's only visible sometimes if you go through a, a lot of effort. I suppose the answer to that is uh, you're a weird old murder mystery writer. <laughs> well, I think um, also uh, Wagner kind of explains this in a minute as well, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elsewhere, Walt, red-faced and screaming, stands a few inches from Ransom. And I, I've watched this film quite a few times, and I, I've just guess blanked this bit out before, <laughs> because maybe just because I'm so invested in what's happening with the window and the trellis and, uh, and catching up with that, I, I, I don't notice this bit where Walt is like, shoving biscuits in, <laughs> <laughs> into ransom's face for yeah. some reason and it's it's not it's not a long scene either so yeah. it may, you kind of just can skip over it yeah uh, all very unhinged <laughs> all, all, all of walt's dialogue here is improvised by michael <laughs> shannon uh, and they had to keep stopping filming because it was so funny <laughs> um in in the end in the actual movie you can see chris evans starting to crack up as he says maybe harlan left you a glass of cold milk in his will asshole <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is of course the one downside to having all your dialogue improvised it's if it makes the camera people laugh too hard yeah i've done some improvisation in in the past as you know and i do it's really hard not to just lose it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Wagner and Elliot watch impassively as suddenly Blanc and Marta run through to go upstairs. Here, uh, we've got another instance of the mysterious Harlan portrait behind them. It's got mm. a quizzically raised eyebrow now. Mm, a mystery is, is occurring. <laughs> All four head upstairs, and Marta demonstrates the trick window. Uh, as you said, Pete, Wagner comments that this is the trick window from A Kill for All Seasons. Yeah. So maybe he, uh, who knows which came first, maybe just uh, had that window and decided to make a murder plot of it, uh, 
uh, and he had that window just because he's eccentric and thought it would be cool to have a secret window. Mm. Uh, or maybe he just had it put in because he wanted a little memento of that book it built into his house. Yeah, I mean, that seems more likely to me because we've seen Harlan does like his mementos for things. Yeah. Uh, like all those hippos from the Menagerie Tragedy trilogy. Mm. Which I definitely said the first time without having to do any edits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you notice the painting on the inside of the window? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Uh, it's it's a painting of a child climbing in through a window. <laughs> <laughs> Very um, nice. This this was a real painting that they just happened to find. <laughs> it wasn't made for the production. I think you've mentioned this to me before. Now that now that you say it, um, maybe it came up before, but but uh, yeah, no, I didn't notice it. Blunk examines the carpet with a magnifying glass and finds dried mud and a muddy scuff on the window ledge. Do you, do you want to know an interesting thing, Peter? Oh, oh, please. I was hoping you'd get to some. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Wow. You just left that wide open. <laughs> wow. I, think, I think you're being demoted from co-host <laughs> to guest again. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm a scamp. <laughs> you're a shit. <laughs> uh, interestingly, if you rewatch things, uh, Marta doesn't scrape any mud onto the windowsill when she comes in. She steps straight over it, but Ransom does. Ooh. I was like, that's really nice attention to detail because mm. she's gonna think it's her because she knows she trod in the mud, but it wasn't her. <laughs> nice. I uh, yeah, that's that is a real nice little little twist i like that very good uh the music that's playing here is uh ryan johnson's favorite part of the soundtrack um it was his cousin's first orchestral score uh recorded in abbey road in london what are you what do you tell us about the music peter that you definitely remember about well, I will tell you that uh, some of the instruments that I used to um, to record the intro to this podcast were also recorded in Abbey Road, London. So, oh, <laughs> well, what what a wonderful connection between our podcast and the movie that the podcast is about. Uh, <laughs> no, I. I I don't notice a lot about the music in this uh, film, apart from when it's especially prominent, which is mainly at the beginning. Um, mm. And uh, but I did notice during this segment that it's it's a, quite a lot of the film is actually underscored uh, during this uh, during this part, and I just don't really notice it because it's just blended really well and is just. Uh, just kind of fades into the background, but it's all really tasteful and well done. Huh. I, uh, uh, the listeners might notice that the uh, the tone of the podcast has become somewhat adversarial since your earlier remarks. <laughs> 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 On the night of the party, someone who did not want to be heard climbing those steps went to a great deal of trouble to break into Harlan's Fromby's rooms. The game is afoot, eh, Watson? Says Blank. Yeah, um feel like he really enjoys his role as a detective <laughs> it's a it, it's the right career for him <laughs> yeah it's a very dorky thing to say but um it, it kind of 
suits him. Oh boy! So, uh, how much intention do you think is behind the the game is afoot? I I I think uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned this before, um, but yeah, uh, there was there was definitely some vibe of this on. Um, uh, like you know, internet. Oh, gasp! All these things are connected. YouTube videos, and I was like, I was like, maybe. I mean, it is like a a very common detective y phrase, but he does use it three times throughout the movie. So yeah, he keeps on bringing up feet. <laughs> the game is a shoe, a eh, Marta wink. <laughs> the game is your shoe's got some blood on it, day. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> we cut to the outside view of the mansion and a few quick cuts of Harlan's trinkets. Back inside, everyone has calmed down and the lawyer is getting ready to read the will. Blank requests everybody to remain in town and then Elliot makes it an order. Uh, once again, just blank interfering and interrupting and not at all being a respectful and passive observer <laughs> of the truth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when he said that, I don't think he meant it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> the lawyer, Mr. Stevens, reveals that Harlan altered his will a week before he died and asked it not to be submitted to the court until after his death. Of course, uh, not just because he knew it would cause arguments and stuff, but because he lives or, I, I guess, dies for the drama. <laughs> um, yeah, I never really, I never really thought about the specifics of that, but yeah, um, uh, it almost makes it seem like he was expecting to die soon, which is weird. Yeah, I I do think that there's a kind of uh, there's a decent uh fan theory sort of thing of him maybe having planned out more than this than mm. uh than we thought and <clears throat> he was going to do something along these lines anyway <laughs> uh, and uh Marta, uh, Marta's mistake just kind of forced his hand to do it earlier than he expected or something. It was all just a happy coincidence. Mm. The word happy, of course, being used quite wrongly there. Yeah, um, maybe maybe where his mind was at is that, oh, I don't know, I'm quite ill nowadays, I need to be taken care of, I'm getting on, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to lose all my faculties before I go, so maybe I just kind of end it in the most dramatic way possible uh that will uh that will be a very me style way to uh to to go out i can believe that over the character sorry i, w I wasn't paying attention then was that you talking about your upcoming 40th birthday uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I see how this podcast is going now. yeah yeah oh you see what you've done now <laughs> So it's war. <laughs> the lawyer here is played by, of course, Frank Oz, who Ryan Johnson met while performing the Yoda sections of The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, and I do like uh, the kind of subtle characterization of this fairly minor character here by <laughs> Frank Oz as this kind of slightly half-assed, bored lawyer. <laughs> yeah, he's... he's... 
uh, if he didn't have his assistant around, he wouldn't get anything done. Right. <laughs> I but can sympathise with that. That might, just, that might just be most lawyers. <laughs> well, given that I am dealing with some lawyers at the moment, <laughs> and getting their attention for like five seconds is practically impossible, uh, I, I can really... Uh, I, I I really empathise with this portrayal of this lawyer who just doesn't have time for this family. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I'm experiencing the other side of that at the moment. <laughs> uh, before this, uh, the last time Jamie Lee Curtis and Frank Oz worked together was 36 years previously on 1983's Trading Places. Hmm. The lawyer lists Harlan's assets. The House, $60 million in cash and investments, and Blood Like Wine, his publishing company. Got a note here that says, pretty hilariously there, the lawyer's assistant basically points out everything for him, and he reads it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After he notes each thing, the camera quickly shows the family members most interested in it. Linda and Richard want the house, because she owns a real estate company. Um, Joni wants the money. And Walt wants the publishing company. <laughs> the lawyer reads a statement Harlan wrote. Dearest Linda, Walt and Joni, some of you may be surprised by the choice I've made here. No pleasure was taken in the exclusion, and its purpose was not to sow greater discord in the family. Quite the opposite. Please accept it with grace and without bitterness, but do accept it. It's for the best. Dad. Yeah, so... Um... <laughs> I like the vagueness of uh, no pleasure was taken in the exclusion. It, they think they know exactly what this means, <laughs> and they don't. It's it's very nice. Um, it's, it, it's it's good when you get like a double meaning like that that then ends in like a twist. Yeah, and another it's for the best as well. It's, it seems like that's one of his phrases, and mm. uh, it, again, this is part of his character work that I, I enjoy in this film where he, he makes up his mind and he, he, he's not going to change it after he's made up his mind. Nothing mm. will make him change his mind. Uh, I believe the word is stubborn. Stubborn. Mm. Well, I've learned something new today, haven't I? Look at you with your vocabulary. With Chance would be a fine words. thing. <laughs> with these big words like stubborn. I can mute you. <laughs> <laughs> The lawyer opens the sealed envelope with a letter opener and reads it. Harlan has left all of his assets to Marta. Gasp, Peter. Gasp. Ah. Ah. I'm not going to be surprised at this point. I was surprised when I watched the film initially. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, the, the shock has long worn off. I know, but we can uh, we can we can try and bring it back for the people who are definitely just listening along with this podcast rather than watching the movie first, like we told them to do. No, I refuse to bring this to life. <laughs> Marta looks shocked. The family looks horrified, and Ransom looks vindicated. <laughs> he knew all along that little weasel. <laughs> The family all rise, talking over each other, as Ransom gets up and leaves, laughing. Yeah, I like the, the Walt's reaction is to say, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you might in that situation. You know? Yeah. 
You might, but it's still very funny. And uh, obviously, Ransom, yeah, he's just here to see this bit. As soon as he's got mm-hmm. that, he can go. <laughs> um, there's a there's an excellent dolly zoom on Marta with a musical sting here. <laughs> <laughs> Linda screams for everyone to get out while they figure out how to fight it because it's still their house. Uh. Jamie Lee Curtis here screams, get out at Lakeith Stanfield, who was famously in the film Get Out. (laughs) (laughs) They all look at the solicitor, who confirms that it isn't their house anymore either. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. They all seem to collapse. Linda calls Marta a bitch, and the whole family turns on her. (laughs) And it's, It's very, like... It's it's instant, and they try and walk it back in a minute, a little bit, but it the the mask slips so easily <laughs> yeah. at this point. Oh, um, everybody is of course improvising their lines here. Uh, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis gets the rather excellent. Were you boinking my father? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jacob's line: "You had sex with my grandpa, you dirty anchor baby," was improv. Yeah, I know, was improvised by Jaden Martell, uh, but it was lost in the scene because of all the characters were talking and yelling. Uh, Michael Shannon noticed how funny it was and told Ryan Johnson um, that it was a killer line, so they made sure to go back and get it as a separate take. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Plunk advises Marta to maybe run. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best thing he's said so far. (laughs) Marta leaves in shock as all of the thrombies try to talk to her as one. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, they've moved on from the initial just kind of yelling to, uh, to let, let's try and negotiate, but all at once in a very overwhelming way. It's not the best tactic. <laughs> <laughs> there's um there's an excellent switch here from uh the steady cams they were using inside the house to uh, just handheld ones following her around to sort of imply this sense of panic building. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really quite, quite well done. Mm. Marta reaches her car with the thrombies all surrounding it. And, um, and that's the end of this eight-minute segment. <laughs> all right. A lot of stuff happened. I like that one. Really great segment, actually. I think possibly my favourite segment so far, if, I, if I'm thinking about it. So, Peter, uh, um, you, you know what I'm going to say to you now. The questions that must be asked at yeah. the end of each episode. If you're seeing this for the first time, who do you think the murder is? And how did they done it? Are you, are you sticking with your current theory? Uh, I think I have to stick with the current theory, although th- at this point we do get the sense that there's more to this story definitely than we had originally thought uh with the will reading and it it's a it's an interesting layer that it's added to this so it it does start to get the mind ticking over and uh and thinking wow maybe there is something extra going on here that uh, that, that we haven't been made aware of before otherwise mm. <sighs> it doesn't quite add up anymore so i would say at the moment i'm still on the side of martha did it because what other possible explanation is there at this point but 
my mind starting to go to, but there's something else that more to this story that we don't yet understand. And of course, uh, what happens next? What happens next? Uh, uh, Marta can't start the car for some reason. I can't remember whether it just won't start or whether she can't find the keys or something like that, but she, uh, she can't start the car and, uh, Ransom drives up in order to offer her a lift. So she gets out of that car and into Ransom's and they drive off and he takes her to a, like a restaurant, I think. And she um, explains some things to him. Uh, and he uses her his knowledge of her not being able to lie to to, to kind of get some explanations out of her. Okay, and and of course, what what are you thinking of the movie so far? We're more than halfway through. Yeah, well, as as I say, I, I really like this part of the film. It's it's very exciting. Lots of stuff happens. Some really great performances from the whole cast. Uh, in, in, in this bit yeah it's uh, it it's really great i'm looking forward to it to uh, start switching back from this mode to being uh, uh, to 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 start being a who done it again towards the mm. end yeah it's uh we're 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 heading into that whole second act thing now yeah uh, okay, listeners at home, uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk, and we will endeavor to read those emails. Um, if you like the show, what you should do is tell a friend or leave a comment wherever you listen to it, because uh, hashtag engagement drives the hashtag algorithm, and I need hashtag money. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I guess all that leaves us with is is the signing out. So, um, Peter, you're some dickhead who can be found on the internet some places. I don't know, whatever, who cares? And <laughs> <laughs> go on, do your thing. Uh, you can find me on the internet at uh, Kestrel Pie. I'm on Twitter as Kestrel Pie, that's Kestrel like the bird and Pie like the irrational number. And I am on Twitter as Kieran J. Walsh, and you can tweet me there or whatevs. <laughs> uh, I guess all that's left to say is bye bye, listeners. Thank you for listening, and we hope you come back for next time. Ooh. Bye. 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 <laughs>